0: What is up, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banner at Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. Uh, as uh, the month of September rolls along, we've got a lot to talk about this weekend, uh, and uh, a weekend that is uh, that is actually uh, Eric and Brian. I know you guys will appreciate this. The um, coming up on the uh, or actually this, yeah, this weekend is the 40th anniversary of the very first UCF football game. How about that?
1: Wow, yep. That's I I I, well, I I guess I should be like, oh my god, I just can't.
0: Well, no, it, it's. <laughs> <September>. <laughs> well, they'll
2: be honored uh, next week at U against UConn if I'm not. Well, sure. yeah. That's cool. Yeah, 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 that's,
0: well, the the first game was September 22nd, 1979, against St. Leo, and Don Jonas, uh, and the Knights won 21 uh, nothing that game. So, um, wow. but yeah, it's a historic week Where for UCF. They play and, that? Hmm. Where did they play it? They played it at St. Leo. Oh, okay. Yeah, which was apparently a cow pasture. We'll hear a lot of stories from that. I'm working on a couple things having to do with that. But in the meantime, the current edition of the UCF Knights football team is coming off of a, a huge win over Stanford, where they were in control the whole game. We'll recap that real quick. We'll preview the next game on the road against another power conference opponent in Pittsburgh. uh, And we will take a look at the Olympic sports. Lots of news to pass along. A wild weekend for UCF Volleyball. Cal Jennings is still scoring goals like crazy for UCF men's soccer, UCF women's soccer. Um, Their offense is off and running now. Um, And we have uh, also some cross-country news and uh, a bunch of things to talk about here. So follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret and at Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, and Spokes underscore Murphy. Uh, And uh, all right, so let's go ahead and and get started. So um, let's talk about this uh, Stanford game first, fellas. It was not a contest. Um UCF scored first barely 3 minutes in. Uh got an interception, scored again less than a minute later and it was pretty much over. Uh the Knights uh went up 28 where they were up 28 to 7 in the first 30 uh 8 to 7 at halftime. Stanford got a couple scores in garbage time including a disastrous fumble recovery and Uh, That kind of made the game look closer than it was. The the largest lead was 45-17 in the fourth quarter after a Jake Hescott catch. But the story of this game was Dylan Gabriel, who got the start and lit the world on fire in this game. 22 of 30, 347 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Uh, Rushed for nine yards, but that's neither here nor there. Um and was sublime. He was dropping dimes all over the place. Brian Murphy, you uh have been touting since the beginning uh since he was since the performance on Saturday. Ladies and gentlemen, here's your starting quarterback. Um you were there in person. We you know we watched the game on TV, but you were there in person. Was it as impressive in person seeing what he was doing out there as it was on television? Uh
1: yeah and it was even more impressive when you watch it back because like when it's happening in real time sometimes you miss some things some small things but when you watch the game when you watch the game back I mean all all, granted I don't have the all 22 film I just have the tv shots but you can see like his footwork his ability to uh, like evade pressure but not like scramble keep his eyes downfield that you know that we've talked about his sense of calm and composure like he's got it and you know i don't think i was out on a limb saying that he was the guy but i think once they scored once they once they went up 21 to 7 he hit uh I, I believe uh it was gabe davis i think scored that third touchdown yeah and i said that's it That that's it he should be the starting quarterback it was like nine minutes to go in the first quarter i was like he's got to be the guy there's no doubt and then he didn't do anything else in that game to disprove it i mean he was just he was outstanding certainly second half they didn't score like they didn't do as much as they as they needed to but really they didn't have a whole lot of chances and I think you know Josh Heupel was was fine with how they didn't really do much in the second half because they were kind of playing back and Pitt had the ball a lot so it was that first half that first half was like you said Jeffrey was sublime it was better it was even better when you watch on TV watching it back um, there is no doubt and yet we can ask Jeff Levy, the quarterback's coach, uh, today, we asked him, this is Wednesday, we asked him uh, if Dylan Gabriel will be the starter, which he said, uh, we're still working through that.
0: <laughs> I don't even know what the point is. I mean, like, what what windows are they trying to dress here? I, I don't understand it, Marv.
1: Um, someone made a point on Twitter about, you know, he's just a freshman. He's only 18 years old. So you don't want to just give him the job. You want to make him like keep earning it. But my what, God. what does he have to do? He's <laughs> he's earned it. <laughs> and yeah. He is he is so far and away better again, we talked about this last week. He is a he is so far away a better passer than we've seen from Brandon Wimbush and two seasons with Daryl Mack. Uh it's not even close. His accuracy is incredible. I, I mean there's really I can't find the correct superlatives to describe the way he might be, a be,
2: might be a better deep ball thrower than Milton even, even when oh, healthy.
1: Might be. I mean and the way he again, the the way he moves in the pocket, the way he sees the pressure, the way he reads off guys, uh going through his progressions, I, I think also what sticks out to with me He's got like one of the he's got one of the highest you know yards per uh, yards per throw average in 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 the in the college football because this kid has the guts the testicular fortitude just just chuck it up there and knowing that his and knowing that he's got the accuracy, he'll he'll put it on the money and most times he does. Yeah. Uh, I, again, I, there's not a bad thing I can really say about Dylan Gabriel. Certainly out of that Stanford game I can't. We had some we had some gripes about the 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 FAU game where it looked like he was. Um, a bit juiced up early on with some some high deliveries and some throws that were kind of got away from
0: him. Um, but man, this Stanford game was on a whole different level. Yeah, forty-five thousand people saw it. Um, it was uh, really a coming-out party, uh, and it, not just for for Dylan Gabriel, but for UCF, really in the national um, narrative. We have some sound that we wanted to share with you here. Uh, here is uh, Dylan Gabriel talking about. Um, his uh, mechanics on just that, uh, uh, Brian, his uh, deep ball. I think it it started from from Monday. Um, I feel like last week I wasn't in in a good body position. If you weren't right,
1: uh, that little fix uh, showed today. um, I think uh, fixing the little things will create a bigger and better thing. That's
0: Dylan Gabriel after uh, the Stanford game. Eric Lopez... um, Interesting how uh, some narratives sort of changed a little bit. You know, uh, 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 Kirk Herbstreet on his podcast on ESPN seems to have <laughs> seems to have turned a bit of a corner uh, yeah. on UCF. Feinbaum, heaven forbid, had nice things to say about UCF on ESPN. Um, you know, I I, st- I still, I'm with you. I, I, I just, I don't believe it. In fact, this almost feels like a setup to me. I mean, is it?
2: What do you mean? Well. <laughs> This is where everybody gets all upset and everything, right?
0: I know. I have I, right, I, I, I embrace the, the, my paranoid they, style.
2: <laughs> they were complimentary, and rightfully so. They UCF's one of the better teams in the country. I think that's proven. Um, not one word was said about, "Hey, they're one of the four best teams." Which is really, right, cuz we're going to turn on these guys. We're going to now all of a sudden everybody <laughs> likes Kurt Herbstreit, right? I mean, I've always liked Kurt Herbstreit, but other people didn't like Kurt Herbstreit. Now they like Kurt Herbstreit. Now they're going to turn on him in 7 weeks when he doesn't have UCF in its top four. So I, I don't get caught up in the whole complimentary stuff because it's a week-to-week thing um, as far as that's concerned. So I, I wouldn't get caught up. Let me just say about Dylan Gabriel, uh, the, the impressive thing to me about him was he admitted that the FAU game his mechanics were off, um, and he fixed that. Boy, did he fix that. Very good. It's pretty, I do pretty, wonder. It's if, pretty
0: encouraging to see him fix his mechanics
2: in one correct, week. Right. right. <laughs> The interesting question, and, so, and, and I was on uh, with Mark Moses on earlier this week, uh, who does a radio show up in the Vieira-Melbourne area, drive-time show, and, and he brought up an interesting question, and I think the one question left about Dylan Gabriel is, what happens when he faces pressure, right? Because the thing, I mean, for let's give a compliment to the offensive line who gave Dylan Gabriel a ton of time to throw the football. So what happens if he does it, if he gets pressure, how will he handle that? More, you know, and I think that's really the only maybe. I'm just gonna so I, I don't, you know, maybe that's what the coaching staff is kind of guarding a little bit, right? Like, you know, let's not let's not proclaim him anything because maybe he faces some adversity. Let's see how he deals with adversity first uh, before we crown him, right? As the old saying goes. So I'm, you know, I, I do wonder if that's part of the coaching thinking, Murph. That, you know, maybe that's why they don't want it to uh, come out and say he's the starter because. What if he gets off to a slow start? Do they do they want to go to the bullpen? Do they want to give different looks, right? We saw Brandon Winbush for his one snap, uh, line up near the red zone. I don't think that was an accident. I think they do want to do some different things with different quarterbacks, especially in the red zone, don't you?
1: Uh yeah, no. I I think you're going it's not like Dylan's gonna be an exclusive act for that quarterback. They're gonna do some different things. Down by that goal line, and I think this works well. You want, you know, Dylan Gabriel is about 5'11", uh, 185, whereas Brandon Wimbush is around 6'3", 230. Uh, and you saw, you know, them then put Brandon in for a QB draw at around the two yard line. It didn't work, but I think you're gonna see more than more of that. And I think you might see more of that of two of Daryl Mack, who's kind of the same size and, right. and stature. Yeah. Because you want a bigger body in that area. UCF doesn't really have a big running back. Their biggest running back is probably been Tavius Thompson, and he's about 6'1", 200 pounds. So you, you can have a bigger guy in there for the goal line yardage like like the Panthers used Cam Newton, or have used Cam Newton in the past, not this season, but have in the past.
2: What is- we saw Florida do that. Florida did that with Tim Tebow. Got him a national yeah. title his freshman year where Chris Leak was the thrower. But you bring in Tebow, they would bring him in on short yardage situations. I, I could right. definitely see that playing down here. And, you know, according to Pat Narduzzi, you know, you don't want your quarterbacks, apparently, to run one too many times, apparently. Uh.
0: Yeah. Uh, that was that was right up on the line. But, hey, what, but, and that that brings me to another question. Like, what do you – if you're Dar- – uh, what do you do with Daryl Mack now at this point? I mean um,
2: – Well, he's not 100%. I don't think he's healthy yet, right? Murphs, he was cleared I
0: mean, to, clear to practice, right? I
1: mean, no, yeah. he was he was cleared to play. He's been ah. cleared to play. Uh, is he in game shape? Is something that we can we can banter That's no about, but entirely, right? the, the fact is, he is he is he is physically cleared to play. Uh, he's been they said he's been ramping he's been ramping up activities since about the second week of camp. So really, he's been you know getting better and better for the last few weeks. It, it still does replicate you know real time game snaps. What do you do if you're Brandon Wimbush and Daryl Mack? You stay ready. You stay ready, right? It's the next man up business, you know? Yeah. So you, you stay ready. Try to work on your game. You know, Work on your game. Make the best of the reps you get in practice. You know, get in the film room. And uh, and make sure that if Dylan goes down, you're the next man up.
0: Can we talk about the defense for a little bit, too? Because they made KJ Costello look bad. And KJ yeah. Costello is a good football player. He was 21-44 for 199. One touchdown, one pick but he was confused all day. Murph, what were they doing to him?
1: They, uh, I think in this game, that the defensive front did a lot of stunting, a lot of twisting, basically taking their defensive ends, defensive tackles, that front four, and crossing them over, sort of sending their tackles out wide, bringing their ends inside, because Stanford's, Stanford was missing both their starting offensive tackles, so they tried to do that to confuse their line, it did, especially early on. If you watch that game, Randy Charlton was everywhere in the first quarter. It oh, he was, yeah. It was completely unblockable. And, you know, Shane Burnham, the defensive line coach, pointed this out a couple of days ago. They hit him early. They hit him on the pick. They hit him on the first series of the game. And it sort of got into Costello's head to where he knew that he needed to be quicker with his reads, quicker with his throws. And that, and that sort of rushed everything he did from that point forward.
0: Yeah, I mean, that was... That was really a master class put on by Randy Shannon in the front four, and um, it, it was really something to watch. Um, come on, a couple other statistics I wanted to get out there for everybody. Um, Greg McRae, aver- <laughs> another game where he averages almost 10 yards a carry, 11 carries, 109 yards, one touchdown. Of course, most of that was on one play. It was a 73-yard rush. Um Adrian Killens, uh had eight carries for 49 yard, or excuse me, 44 yards, um, to go with four catches for 28. Um, boy, did Gabe Davis have himself a day uh, against uh, against Stanford and Adebo, who you we'd said you know that was the big matchup and you know a potential NFL guy in Gabriel at least coming in in the national picture against a definite NFL grade in Adebo, and he owned him the whole day. He dog-walked him. He absolutely dog-walked him. Look, wow. I, I talked about this last
1: week. I wanted that matchup injected into my veins because I was so looking forward to it. And and as a UCF fan and as a Gabe Davis fan, uh, you couldn't have asked for anything better. I mean, I, I've written about it on this site, on Twitter, for other publications. Gabe Davis won almost every single aspect of that matchup against a All-American You know uh, Nagurski and and, uh, Thorpe Award nominee, uh, who's going to be possibly a first-round pick in this draft for next year's NFL. He absolutely he studied him. He studied Adebo hard. He learned what his weaknesses are. He exploited them over and over again. And give credit also to Dylan Gabriel for putting some balls on the money deep down the field
0: again. Yeah, I mean, and you want to see what the master class looks like in that. Take a look at Gabriel Davis's touchdown catch, where he pulls that double move on debo That was just flat disgusting.
1: And the the dude, and we can't so we can't see it in the TV shot too. But the forty-one yard catch that he had called back because his left foot was a little too big right, and stepped yeah. out of bounds burned him on that, that, was, that one too. So, that was also a double move. That was another double move that he got him on before the touchdown. Uh, the fifth there was a tw- there was a twenty yard crosser a 20-yard in route on 3rd and 15, where Debo is right with him. But Gabe, first of all, the ball is the ball was put per, in a perfect spot for Gabe Davis. But Gabe is just strong. He's just way strong, and, and he's able to make that catch with Debo all over him. Um, there were a couple of throws that, that Gabriel missed um, that could have been a second touchdown for Gabe Davis. Debo had not given up a touchdown since week 9 of last season, and he gave up one and probably should have tried to give up two to Gabe Davis in this game.
0: Yeah. I mean it was really He
2: made himself some money. He made himself yeah, some oh, money, yeah. some, right?
1: Because I mean, people are watching this game, scouts are watching this game, they know about Gabe Davis, but you're watching this game for a Debo, and then you see him get roasted, as as Mark Jones said on the ESPN broadcast, uh Gabe Davis is working Paulson and Debo like a part time job. Uh, and it's, <laughs> it was true. He was totally working them, And uh it, and I think when you look at the tape you go, wow, we got something else here. We got we got a six three, two hundred and ten pound wideout who is double double moving and burning this first round corner. We gotta look at this guy.
2: Well, and and some that's UCF, I mean, UCF fans some, some UCF fans won't like to hear this, but that pretty much he's gonna probably be gone after this year, right? If you he stays if, st- if, if he stays, stays healthy.
1: healthy, if he stays healthy, I, I yeah. just I mean, look, yeah. after Matt Leonard came back, I, I I'm not gonna assume anything. Um but yeah, I mean, it would, it would, and it will, it would. You no, know, I, I'll, I'll, I don't know about the whole wide receiver class for this year's draft. We're way too far away from this, but like, yeah, I would imagine that if he stays healthy, but, but he's going go to
2: Well, here's the thing, Dane Brugler, who's one of the better NFL, you know, guys evaluating talent as far as coming out of college, compared Gabe Davis to Corey Davis, who was mm. the kid that got drafted by uh, the Titans. Totally. I think it was the fifth fifth pick overall out of Western Michigan. Yeah, fifth. And, yeah made he said he reminded him a lot about Corey Davis and he and, and Corey Davis kinda was this you know in western Michigan, right? You're not th- it just kind of blew up, right? It just right. kinda blew up as that year went on and he caught fire. And and that could be the case here with Gabe. As I mean, let me in fact I'll give you this. Over under, right? So Traquan Smith was drafted in the third round. Over-under th- three rounds. I'm going to make the over-under three rounds where Gabe Davis goes. I kind of think I'm going to go under, right? I think he's a, well, he's got a shot to be a second-round pick at worst. And if he has a good combine, could maybe be a first-round pick.
1: Yeah, I think he has a shot. Again, it's just too early for me to really get delve into this and to say that he could be a third-rounder, then I don't want to push on it. Um, and I would say people who follow the NFL, who listen to us comparing Gabe Davis to Corey Gabe Davis, to Corey Davis Corey Davis has had a bad pro career so far because Marcus Mariota looks scared. Uh, but Gabe, Corey Davis is a really, really good player, and for that, I, I did not know about that comparison. That's a really good comparison because Corey Davis, like Gabe, is a like a really stoutly built, tall but strong hands guy who can run the route tree. He's got some deep ball skills, but really tough over the middle too. So I may I get that comparison a lot. Uh, not that he'll be fifth overall, but Aww. yeah, I mean, again. Yeah. We, we'll see what we'll see what happens coming, comes in comes uh, in in March and April but the point being is that if Gabe stays healthy you would assume that yes he needs to go because this season he has shown that he doesn't belong on this level
0: yeah um other notes from the box score Trey Nixon had an excellent game five catches 88 yards and a score probably his uh, best game was the night yeah i would say so too Marlon Williams caught the first touchdown 3 for 73 and a score, and Jake Hescott got on the board too.
1: Williams, Martin Williams, outjumped Debo for a deep ball down the sideline. I mean, man, yeah. Debo's getting beaten by multiple guys. In this I
2: don't game. think Debo made money on Saturday. He might have. No, lost he might Saturday.
0: have lost some you. money. Yeah, <laughs> that. so, um, but UCF racks up uh, almost 600, almost 600 yards of uh, of uh, total offense against the uh, you no know, 545 total on 74 plays and uh, gets the victory over uh, over Stanford. Stanford's, by the way, first trip to the Sunshine State in the regular season. They're probably never going to come back <laughs>
2: after something
0: like that. But um, yeah, They, got a, lot of, a they got a lot
2: of issues. They've got a ton of issues on that yeah. football team. I was at their uh, pr- uh, press conference afterwards. They've got injury issues. I mean, they're playing more freshmen than they planned on. Their offensive line is broken.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, Costello says they have no identity in the offense. <laughs> um, it's, it, a it's a mess. They're, they're
0: just—it's Highway 88 for them this year, and that happens. And
2: it's—you
0: know—and yep. it's too bad. It's too bad. Yeah, David Shaw. True. It's a credit to David Shaw actually that <laughs> that you know they they seem to be at least maintaining that discipline. It's just you know he knows this is going to be a long haul for them. Here's a, a here's a, a line from David Shaw that you were able to get for us, uh, Elo, on the whole you know Power Five Group of Five thing. <laughs> We're, we're, we're years past that, and we've seen all these upsets that have happened in college football that are quote unquote upsets. Um, if you've got talent, you've got ability; you can play with anybody. That's uh, David Shaw talking about, you know, the real difference between, um, you know, that there is no difference between these teams, at least in his eyes. And well, I mean, it's one thing if he says it, but you know, let's see if others believe it. Well, UCF will get another shot against uh, a power uh, conference team. Coming up this Saturday, the Pitt Panthers, UCF heading up there. Second meeting in as many years between um, these two squads. We're going to preview that in just a moment here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, Brian Murphy with you here. com, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. We recapped uh, UCF football's victory over Stanford. Now the Knights go on the road. Um for a matchup with an ACC team, the Pittsburgh Panthers, on Saturday at 3.30. TV, it'll be on uh, ABC on most of the East Coast, uh, ESPN2 on most of the West Coast. It's that split week, just like the uh, the game up in Memphis last year, Eric, right? So it's going to be hard to gauge the TV audience. So, by the way, uh, Eric, you had your uh, TV ratings up from the Stanford game um, today, and uh, um turns out that the tv numbers weren't all that great for ucf they had a a lot of competition in the 330 slot and i think a lot of people tuned out uh after after the first five minutes
2: that's right that's just like a lot of students (laughs) left at halftime so that many television viewers uh, left this game uh yeah not not a great rating it was down about 33 percent from last year's boise state oklahoma state game it's the first UCF football televa a game that they were involved in on ESPN or ABC I'm not talking ESPN 2 or any of the other ones just ESPN or ABC it's the first UCF game They have not at least gotten a million viewers since the uh, infamous Thanksgiving Bowl uh, Thanksgiving game against South Florida, which was disgraceful Um, So no not a great number Uh, Obviously lots of reasons for it. The game was obviously blowout early um the fact that the first quarter took uh, about an hour and i'm not even <laughs> exaggerating that is not a good thing um you know when, when you know it's a bad quarter and a long quarter. When I'm sitting next to Brian and Brian's very concerned about getting coffee. That tells you how long. <laughs> oh
1: man, <laughs> two games now we have not had coffee. I am raising the red flag on this one. Oh my god, you guys. Are... Uh,
2: so not good. Because you know, we good all know
0: then. everyone loves media people complaining about free food. <laughs> well,
2: you know it's, Um. So yeah, not a great number. Um. You know, it's one of their lowest-rated games they've had in that slot. And it's going to be interesting. I'm curious to see what they do moving forward. They got Pittsburgh on ABC. You mentioned the split regional coverage with Washington and BYU, so it's going to be a little harder to tell what the number is. But then they got UConn, which shocked me, uh, for the 7 o'clock ESPN 2 game. And I think one of the things that will be interesting that I'm in talking to people in the industry is, is UCF, can UCF carry a number as the showcase team instead mm-hmm. of being a supporting cast, right? Like, Alabama carries a number regardless of how the blowout is. Certain other programs do. So the question that you see, I think people are curious about, and this could have an impact down the road three, four years from now, when we, if there is realignment, is, is UCF truly a TV draw nationally? And I don't, we don't know. I mean, honestly, we don't know yet. They've drawn, they've gotten good numbers when they've played marquee opponents. Uh, but can they draw numbers when they are the show, you know, the show, yeah. you know, if you will, the lead act? Well, I think we, that remains to be seen.
0: Well, we might get a little bit of a data point, like you said. It's going to be sure. hard to tell because it's a split. It's a split uh, 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 telecast this week, but uh, nonetheless, uh, UCF heads up to Pittsburgh for the third all-time meeting between these two. And I think that's what they're booking on here because UCF comes in three and and0 ranked fifteenth. Pitt unranked. They're one and two. Their only win was was a uh, was a, a, a lackluster performance against Ohio. They're coming off a. loss to Penn State last week. Um, Obviously, uh, a little bit of history between these two squads from last year's game, you know, because of the guys falling all over the place uh, for Pitt to try and slow UCF down. Um, Not saying anything untoward was happening, but it looked a little odd. Um, Hold on, I gotta
2: get... I gotta get Powerade, guys. Sorry, I'm cramping yeah. up a little bit. I'm gonna feel yeah. a Yeah. What are you? The, the show is going That's a
0: little the- too fast for Eric. So, Eric, you, yeah. you gotta get yeah. a massage out. You know, get 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 the get the little roller out to work out that kink. Um, work out that Charlie horse for you. Um, this game will be at Heinz Field, home of the Pittsburgh Steelers and Pitt. By the way, did you know Pitt actually had an on-campus football stadium and they demolished it? Yes. Yeah to to build the new arena Peterson events there. So that tells you what uh that tells you how much Pitt thinks about football, I guess, in the long run. Uh Pat Rodriguez coach. Ain't walking
2: through that door.
0: No, he is doors. not. Uh UCF of course won the matchup last year 45-14 in late September. Um uh, yeah, I mean I, I mean Well, here we go. It's it's going to be it's an it's an opportunity against a power conference team, but not one of the Big, huge, marquee name, power conference teams, uh, but um, you, you know another chance on national television. Murph, um, uh, Jeffrey, Jeffrey, you're trying to drag this out into something. It's it's not okay. Okay, why is it not? It's not. <laughs> okay. Just Go say it. it like just, it is. Just, uh, just. Is- well, here's okay, okay. Here's here's my angle. Here's my angle, and this is where I get. I, I'm going to tell you, you Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, why I I'm know. a little scared this week.
2: Oh God! Right. Here we okay, go.
0: yeah. all right. I'm looking at the line. All right, I'm on yep. Odds Shark, and I'm looking at all the lines yep. across the and and Shark can you know um, uh, aggregates lines from other places. So the line started at ten. All right, mm-hmm. and it steadily bumped up. It peaked at fourteen on Monday. All right, UCF by fourteen of, sounds points. Like a lot
2: of smart people there. Yep.
0: Now it's at twelve. Yeah. Yeah. So what am I missing here? Why is the line climbing back down? Where did the, where did the FAU line close at? Uh, I don't remember. I'll have to pull that up. Close closed at 10. Yeah, but it kept going up. That's the thing, yeah, right? But it closed Why at is this 10. one coming back down?
2: Well, it doesn't matter. First point is, let's see where it closes. Because anybody that follows gambling knows the smart people vote either bet early or they bet at the end. They don't bet in the middle. So the reason why that number is dropping is because that's public money. So if the public doesn't have a clue. They're like, "Hey, it's Pittsburgh. Hey, they're at home and they're this big of an underdog. Get out of here against a, you know, a team in the American. What Central Florida? Where is that from? Okay, I'm going to take Pittsburgh to cover 14. That's why the number dropped. It's just you know, it doesn't mean anything. I wouldn't read any anything to it. Okay. Just like uh, the Stanford game. What was it? It was like eight and a half for most of the week, and then at the last minute it jumped to like ten, right? Yeah, that like, Seven jump. and a half to
1: open, and then it went eight and a half, and then it kind right. of went nine and ten the last couple of days. Right. Yeah. And so,
2: we and by the way, me and Murph, the only two people that predicted a blowout, at, rightfully so, thank you. Uh, I get the exact margin, 18 correct. I think Murph got the point total right, or at least was closest to it. I was so close. We
1: both- I had 38-17, which I believe was – the actual score of the game for a bit, so yes, I was very yes. happy about that.
2: True. We both nailed that. We are unlike other people who, before the season, picked this game as a loss to Stamper. We won't mention I who will, they are. They no, been, I will mention uh, who that
0: is. I am one of them. I at the beginning of the season, I thought this would be, I thought this game would be a tough one. That I and and you know, much to my delight, I was wrong. So
2: yes, they were. Um, well, yes, you were. Um, so, so anyway, the point is. <laughs> I, I wouldn't read too much into the numbers. Uh, Pitt's terrible. I watch Pitt. I watch <laughs> Pitt all, for multiple Tell us games. how you really
0: feel.
2: <laughs> uh, <Pat and> Ard- <laughs> in fact, Pat and Arduzzi should probably get fired uh, sooner than later if I was a Pitt fan, but they may not care. Um, they have no offense. They have a good line. Now, they had a good line last year, but it hasn't shown up yet this year. Uh, They weren't as fast as they had trouble with UCF speed last year and their athleticism well guess what Uh, UCF still presents the same problem so uh, I don't see any way that Pittsburgh stays in this football game I really don't I I think this is uh, it's one of the I think Pitt used up all their emotion in the Penn State game I also it helps that Penn State doesn't have a quarterback this year I, I really do. I think Pitt used up all – I watched that game. They used up a lot of trick play. and an emotion in that game. I, I think they're going to – if they get off to a bad start, I think it's going to be very similar to last year's game. I don't – as far as I'm concerned, I haven't seen anything that would indicate bad weather in Pittsburgh. Um,
1: no, it's supposed to be great. It's supposed to be like 87 man. degrees with no humidity. Oh, man.
2: Yep. I, I just – the only way Pittsburgh has a shot in this game, there's two factors here, is A, does UCF read too much of their clippings, right? Oh, we're, too, we're this awesome team. Kurt Herbstre likes us. Everybody likes us. We just <laughs> to show up. Um, the and complacency they, thing
0: Pitt, is a concern. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Oh, that's up to them. Um, the other thing is, can Pitt do what Stanford did in the second half, which is control the ball in the line of scrimmage, eat up, get some seven to eight-minute drives, and shorten the game. I actually thought I think the thing that frustrated David Shaw is I think he would have, you know, if they would have copied the second half in the first half, it might have been a completely different game, but it didn't. Um, but can Pitt afford, can they do that? That's what they're going to try to do. Whether they can or can't, I think is a, is the big question.
0: Yeah, I, I well, by the way, a little note on that, 67% of the money is on UCF minus 12. Uh, the un, over-under is 61.5, and 57% of the money is on the under- uh, and uh, what was the other thing they said? Oh, this is interesting. UCF is under in nine of their last thirteen. By the way, so I thought that was that was pretty interesting.
2: But uh, here's the pit. Well, here's the pit totals this year. Offensively, they scored fourteen points at home when they lost to Virginia, thirty to fourteen. They beat the powerhouse Bobcats of Frank Solage in Ohio at home, twenty to ten, and then they lost to Penn State, seventeen to ten.
0: So 14, that game, 20, and 10. Yeah,
2: that game, that Penn State game did have a lot of rain in the first, like, 20, 25 minutes, Eric. It did. No, it, it did. It, it did have a delay. <laughs> uh, uh, a little weather there, you know. But, other, I mean, they're not an explosive offense. They have, you know, pickets the quarter, uh, as the quarterbacks. Not anything great. I mean – it's not rocket science. Is the only it's only going to come down to can Pitt be more physical than UCF at the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, control the time of possession, and shorten the game. Because if they don't, if they're off the field quickly, it's going to be the same game as last year.
0: Yeah, interestingly enough, you know, uh, Pitt is actually outgaining its opponents on average 380 to 303. Um, they're but Pitt's only rushing for 87 yards a game. Uh, That's the thing that hurts them. They were a
2: better running team last year. They were really, especially. And and, and if you're going to keep
0: UCF off the field, you've got to run the football. And and they're and they just haven't done it yet. And in games where they should be running the football against those kinds of um, opponents, Murph, what's what are you reading on Pitt from uh, from the UCF from inside the clubhouse, if you will?
1: Well, I mean, they're gonna say all the right things, right? Like, you know, they're strong, physical. We're gonna go one and zero. Yada, yada, yada. I will say, like, as I put out on Twitter, I mean, there's so many, th- there's so many things in this game that lean UCF's way. And another one of them is how you, is how Pittsburgh's secondary plays, which I mentioned on Twitter. There's a video that I put up on Twitter today of Trey, talking to Trey Nixon about how Pittsburgh plays a lot of man-to-man press coverage. The cornerbacks want to press you at the line of scrimmage. The problem with that with UCF is that's the defense they face every day in practice because that's the defense they play as well. So that's not going to bother them. And I believe they have the athletes. I will say Pitt does have a couple of decent corners. But they – they they I mean, so so did Stanford. They had a first rounder. And Gabe Davis made him look silly. (laughs) So – it doesn't like it's not that that is not an advantage. Uh, the offensive line for Pittsburgh. You talked about the running game, how it's not gotten off the ground. That offensive line is just not creating a lot of push. Uh, their left tackle is is uh, a redshirt sophomore. is having a really tough time around the edge. So I think Brendan Hayes and Charlton, again could have a lot of uh, a lot of success. Um, but I mean, there's so many things I could I could look at. Kenny Pickett, who was not good in this game last year, is really just he's a game manager. He's kind of. A, he yep. plays like KJ Costello played against UCF last week. He wants to do a lot of short stuff. Watch out for the screen game. They like to throw the yep. screens a lot. Yep. Um, they Just like to try and convert your around. third
0: and mediums all the time. You
1: yeah. Know. like to say again. They like to do the long drives. They had a really long drive against Pitt against Penn State. I think in the second quarter they had like an eight. They had like an 18-play nine-minute drive. We talked yeah. about that with Stanford. Stanford wanted to do that too. Stanford had. Only two drives of at least five minutes, and they only and the, by the time they got to that drive, it was already like thirty-eight to seven. It didn't matter; the game was over. Right. Um, so Pickett's not very good. You know, their running game can't get off the ground. Uh, you know, Pitt has scored a total of forty-four points this year. UCF's lowest scoring total in any game is the forty-five they just scored against Stanford.
2: <laughs> Put it to this way: this um, is a wor- this is a worse pit team than last year, and you could argue that this is a way better UCF team than last year.
1: So, yeah, I will say. Yeah. You know, so if there's one thing that that Pit could do, and and Jeff, you talked about the pressure. It's interesting that this Pit team is really good at, at rushing the passer up front. They do send a lot of guys. They send a lot of blitzes. Um, but uh, Jalen Twyman has been really outstanding as a defensive tackle, getting up field, getting to the quarterback. And for a defensive line that's missing really probably their, their like, well, certainly their best pass rusher, and uh, I think it was Rashad Weaver. He tore his ACL before the season. He was their leader in sacks, he's out for the year. They're missing yeah. Keyshawn Camp, another defensive lineman who was a, a good pass rusher. Uh, and yet, even without them, they're still rushing the passer pretty well. They, they, that's one thing they do actually really good is getting to the quarterback. They, yeah. they got to the Penn State quarterback, but as Eric pointed out, that Penn State quarterback has no idea what he's doing right now. Dylan Gabriel, oh. Dylan Gabriel, for his for his eighteen year old self, again we talked about the composure. It stands out. It is striking. It is sort of uh, it takes you aback at how he just doesn't panic, uh, and he certainly did not panic against against Stanford, who like to blitz a lot as well.
2: Yeah. So not to I mention mean, he, you got a good offensive line in front of him. That he,
1: I mean that that offensive line is amazing. That offensive line right now is pass blocking. They've only. Uh, they've they only allowed, I think, what, one or two sacks. This, I think it's one. This team has not given up a turnover all year. That offensive line is, uh got a 58% what they call opportunity rate, meaning that they're getting at least four yards of carry, I believe, on near 60% of their runs because of that offensive line. Um, I mean, there's nothing in this game that scares me. I mean, unless Dylan is uncharacteristically wild and throws a bunch of turnovers and they get fra- frazzled, but – I mean,
2: well, the line of scrimmage, Murph. It goes back – I mean, that only happens if Pittsburgh has success in the line of scrimmage. If they they, if they can put pressure on Gabriel and force some errant throws, that's how they get the turnovers. Can the now the other side of the I, ball.
1: That's going to be the Gabe, We saw Gabriel deal with that pressure against Stanford, and he just does it so deftly. Uh, the way he – again, the way he steps out of pressure but keeps his eyes down the field. I, I just don't think that bothers him enough. Again, I do not expect this game to be close – um, and I would I would take UCF minus twelve.
2: Yeah. Wow. I, and by the way, can I let me give let's give a shout out because you know all the UCF platforms out there. We always focus on hey, hey Coach Heupel, what a great job he's doing. Hey, you know this and that player. I want to shout out Glenn Ellerby, offensive line coach. Yeah. Shane Burnham, defensive line coach. Phenomenal job these two guys have done here since they've arrived here not only what they've inherited but even improving those two sides of the ball they're obviously cleaning it up in the recruiting cell as well uh, but uh, Glenn Ellerby and Shane Burnham has done a phenomenal job and we always focus so much and the national media focuses on well you know, you know what, what about it? is Josh Hypo going to leave or this or that I think the bigger the, the, the thing you might be more concerned with is are teams going to go after some of these position coaches to get jobs elsewhere because mm-hmm. the, that's that they, they, they let's give hype. They've built a good staff here, and Ellerbe has done a heck of a job with that offensive line, and Burnham especially, Burnham with his defensive line. Which is, Murph, you know this? That was the biggest question they even they had going yeah. into the season.
1: Absolutely, and they're rotating. You know that that defensive line is rotating. You know eight guys on the line, but then also different linebackers as well. They're basically playing thirteen to fifteen guys up front all game. Uh, it, it's really amazing what they're doing. I, I have a stat here uh, from Football Outsiders. The, there's a, um, a statistic called stuff rate. Basically, the percentage of carries in which running backs are stopped at or before the line of scrimmage. UCF's defensive line, or defense in total, has stopped running backs 36% of the time at or, be, or at or behind the line of scrimmage. That's fourth best in the nation. That's the, amazing. I, I, again, it's, it's crazy that this defensive line is playing so well get Now you know we'll see what they do against better rushing attacks that we they really haven't seen a whole lot of yet. Um, but I mean, still, you, you've got to give it up. Both these they're really they really are dominating on both sides of the line.
0: Well, if it, if if Pitt thinks that they're what you're saying, it sounds to me is if Pitt thinks they're going to run over over or through UCF they got another thing coming so uh again kick off at 330 ABC locally here in Orlando Hold on um, now
2: Jeffrey we forgot the most important part of the show again oh, the
0: uh, the game ball the game ball yeah Murph- the Fedora
2: I- game ball for Brian oh, Murphy oh.
0: By the way did you see did you see James Reed's little graphic for you I thought that was amazing the Fedora I golden not- retriever I did not see this it's fantastic a, a golden right. retriever wearing a fedora and carrying a football <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> I can't thank James thank enough you. for that stuff he's uh, he's like he's like our unofficial graphics guy I love it James yeah. thank you so much for that um uh Murph game ball last last week I think uh, Dylan Gabriel right
1: yeah it's Dylan Gabriel yeah that's next I' think mean, it is I mean he was just he was again he was he was the story of the game. There were so many things that were that were great about that game. So many positions that played well. I mean, really, the UCF DBs played well. They should have had you know probably three picks in that game. Uh, you know, Richie Grant is still haunted by the pick that fell right into his stomach that he dropped. Yeah. Um. Dylan Gabriel's your story. He this was the coronation, as I wrote online on Sunday. Uh, it was his game, but it, you know, I I would like to say Gabe Davis because I was so geeked up for it and he worked out so well. But it's the other game. It's the other
0: game. And Dylan Gabriel got himself not just a co-offensive player of the week in the conference, but uh, was also on the Walter Camp. Uh, it was it was Walter Camp player of the week, is that right? So
1: Yeah, he na- was the national offensive player of the week according to the Walter Camp.
0: Yeah. So. But he
1: may not start. <laughs> may yeah, not start. we never
0: know, right? You know, they're going to – you
1: know, Heupel says he's going to play.
0: That, that or I mean, there is uh, on the depth chart is a very powerful two letters, isn't it? There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of weight on those two letters. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh this coming goodness. from the team that listed Graham McRae as its fourth running back all of last season.
0: Yep, and look how that worked go. out. Um, so, so this, by the way, is actually a very good. Uh, a, a couple of uh, one really interesting matchup in the American uh, takes place on Thursday night. Houston is at Tulane. Um, worth a watch, I think. Certainly. Um, Tulane is favored in this game, which I, I think at the beginning yep. of the year we wouldn't have pegged that, but uh
2: You you yeah, you can make the argument the winner of this game probably will be the toughest game for UCF moving forward in their schedule yeah. as far as the ranking. I think they're both
0: gonna be tough because God knows what you're gonna get from Houston. I mean, obviously they're still trying to I think work yep. out the kinks with Dana Holgerson, but Tulane, man, that, that team is a He's done problem. a nice job over there. Yeah, he has and they,
2: and, and, and they play a tricky offense. You know, they run the football a lot. I mean, they're very disciplined. That'll be a very good football game. By the way, Jason Benetti will be calling the UCF game on ABC. The three thirty game. Uh, yeah. The, the voice of the Chicago White Sox. A Pr- th- uh, Brian Murphy's a big time fan of. I know. And really proud that's what Syracuse
0: University to graduate. By the way, proud Syracuse University. Oh graduate. boy. So
2: you're looking um, forward to that. Like, what are you going to ask him if you run into him? What do you What do you say?
1: I just want to thank him. He's a he's a tra- he's a he's a, he, he's a trailblazer for those who know what that means,
0: and a damn good broadcaster too. I mean, yeah, he like, really damn, is. He's a voice, damn good broadcaster.
1: They, he, he can do anything. His voice, you know, he did the he did the home run derby. He was fantastic. But he can do yeah. he can do football too. It's it's great.
0: I mean, he yeah. did Bill yeah.
1: Walton, and he was a great he was a fantastic was man for Bill Walton,
2: yeah. both on basketball and baseball. Game. Listen, yeah, listen, be Dave, working with,
0: if you can handle Bill Walton, with, you can handle anything. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, he's got the dry humor, too, which I like, and he's improved yeah. that White Sox broadcast by a mile with Hawk Carrollson no longer there. I think they were actually voted like a top 10 broadcast now an Awful announcing with Steve Stone, so that's all yeah. Benetti there. Um, so he's cool. He's fun. He's going to be working with Rod Gilmore and uh, Quinn Kessinich.
0: Will be yep, here Quinn Kessinich, yeah. Um, by the way, one other fun little line I wanted to pass along to you. Uh, did you see the line in the Yukon-Indiana game?
1: No, is it start with a four?
0: <laughs> Indiana is favored by 28 points over UConn. When was the last time Indiana was favored by 28 points over anyone? I would love to know. Um, it's
1: nice yeah. It's nice that UCF has a bye week on each side of their Cincinnati game on October 4th. Hey,
2: that's exactly. big. Although that's I'm not a point. fan of playing two FCS teams in the schedule, but they had no choice in that's this right. one. right. Come on now.
0: since. It- <laughs> Cincinnati has the week off, by the way. So, All right. Um, UCF against Pitt should be a good one uh, on ABC, or if you're on the West Coast, most likely ESPN, too. Um, uh, yeah, so UCF gets a chance to beat an ACC opponent, beat Pitt for the second time in as many years. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we've got lots to clean up in, uh, in the Olympic sports. we got... Cross country. We've got men's yeah. and women's soccer. We got volleyball. We've got even got a little bit of golf. We got, we got
2: baseball here. scheduling news. that We, we got, got to baseball.
0: Up with. We we got all kinds Ooh. of stuff. We even have some, We even have a, a UCF baseball player earning uh, an honor in the uh, 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 earning a uh, player of the year award for wow. the uh, team's minor league system that he's with. So we'll talk yeah. about that and more when we return. This is the Black and Gold at Podcast. Back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Bannerette Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. It's our chance to catch you up on the Olympic sports now. we got a lot of news dropping here uh, in, uh, uh, before we get to uh, soccer and volleyball, but I just wanted to pass along this. Uh, this actually broke earlier. Uh, men's golf won the Hartford Hawks Invitational uh, yesterday in South Kent, Connecticut. They finished minus 24 overall in three rounds. Uh, second straight win for the Knights at the Hartford Hawks Invitational they also won in 2018 um, top uh, player for the Knights was uh, Johnny Travail uh, who uh, shot minus seven um, for the tournament so uh, congrats to uh, UCF uh, on the victory um, you know, in all UCF had four players under par for the tournament Travail Jordan Sarhadi uh, Clement Sharmison, and Tommy Sal so um uh that so that gives UCF a victory uh, early on in the men's golf uh in, in the uh, in the men's golf uh season. So, congrats to the guys and uh, head coach Bryce Waller on that. So, all right, I want to start I want to lead off with men's soccer. The Knights jumped up to number 13 uh and uh in the latest uh United Soccer Coaches poll up from 15 and uh, UCF men's soccer, at least as of right now, I'm double checking on the result that they have, but um, a big—they're up at three-one and one coming into the week. Um, they uh, they knock off uh, Virginia Commonwealth uh, two to nothing uh, on Friday, and uh, we're playing Florida Gulf Coast today. And uh, actually, the game just went final four to one. UCF beats FGCU. Cal Jennings. That guy again. Yeah, I know. <laughs> two goals uh, on four shots. Yet again, he's got seven on the year. Um, Yannick Edel gave up uh, just one goal against on and to go with six saves. Um, two more goals, by the way, for uh, Gino Vivi, uh, the midfielder. So there's your four goals for UCF right there, uh, and the Knights advance to four one and one. Um, on the season with a road victory over um, the Eagles so Elo this team's uh, seems to be picking up right where they left off they got another game coming up uh, Sunday against South Carolina it's another big opponent game but uh, before conference play starts but uh, um, not not only are they heating up but now Cal Jennings is starting to heat up because he started a little slowly there and now he's really now he's taking flight right
2: He's on fire. He's going to be on every three nights, three stars of the week, every week at this rate. I know. Um, I feel bad for to... the
0: other guys. Like, we may have to, we may have to just like retire Cal Jennings after three. <laughs> it, it, here, Okay. New rule. New rule. If you, if you get three stars in three stars, you, you're, you're, you're done. All right. Cal Jennings. Well, it is, the, got it a of it. I
2: dropped him to a one star last week. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm trying to uh, balance it out there, but he's amazing. Again, He's the best UCF athlete in the fall right now, and he might end up being the best UCF athlete, period. Uh, he's, he's, he, I mean, he's just picked up where he left off last year, but he's got firepower around him. This team is starting to click offensively, Jeffrey. Yeah. It's going to be big South Carolina on Sunday. Huge showdown there uh, to see there before conference starts. But, uh, man, they're just uh, ex- explosive offensively because yet yeah, Jennings is obviously the guy that everybody's going to focus on, but you get – other guys chipping in with goals, too. That's what makes them tough. And uh, they can score at any moment. Uh, I believe there is no deficit that they're very concerned about. And uh, they, they are a legit – they're ranked 13th in the country. Uh, obviously, we got to see what they do in conference play. And the conference looks very strong this year. Um, I, I mean, SMU looks very strong as, once again. I think Memphis beat a top 25 team the other day. Uh, this league might be even stronger than it's been since this league has started. Uh, but UCF is a team that's going, you know, they, they got a taste of it last year. They got to host. They got a buy, And in the second round, they were upset in that opening round. And I think I think that's motivating this group, the group that came back, uh, to go even deeper. This team is dynamic. And let's just go ahead and start making the campaign for the Herman watch, you know, the Herman trophy for Cal Jennings, can we? Can we just <laughs> push that like we did? Uh, Murph, were you around when Chris Duffy we were pushing him for the Golden Spikes Award and like the campaign that year?
1: I was not around when you were you were actually pushing for the campaign, but I was well aware from afar of what Chris Duffy was doing that year. Yeah.
2: All right, we need to do the same for Cal Jenny. That's all I'm, I'm I'm saying right now. We gotta, we need like I don't know if we're gonna dedicate a page to him or what, but this guy is phenomenal and could go down. I mean, we're there's it, one of, if not the greatest, UCF men's soccer players, certainly in the, in the last decade or so. Obviously, there's some great legends that have played in this program uh, prior. In fact, there's going to be one that's going to be inducted into the Florida Sports, Sports Hall of Fame coming in November. But, uh, man, Cal Jennings is just yeah. awesome to watch.
0: By the way, <laughs> his, at four goals right now, or excuse me, six goals after tonight, that puts him tied for second in the country. Uh, the leaders are uh, – there are six guys with seven goals, um, including Jordan Hall of UConn. Boy, can't wait for that matchup, huh? <laughs> Cal Jennings and Jordan Hall of UConn. That should be a good one. UCF's next game is home against South Carolina uh, Sunday uh, the 22nd. Um, and uh, then they start conference play next Friday the 27th. So, By the way, uh,
2: SMU beat top-10-ranked Duke this week at yeah. Duke. That's a big win Um, for the conference. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. This league is just maybe as strong as it's been uh, since its inception. It's getting stronger. It's definitely going to be a multiple bid league. Uh, You could have a team like SMU and UCF both be contenders to be national seeds and and compete at the national level. And Memphis is off to a great start themselves as well. So this is going to be some league. Uh, I'm telling you. You've said it. I'm going to give you credit. You kind of jumped on this. The most exciting soccer in the state, no doubt. Is right now UCF men's soccer is definitely better than the MLS version. I'll tell you but, that. And,
0: and by the way, if you want to see what great midfield play looks like, yeah. go see UCF men's soccer come on, Murph. because You're been come seeing, us to match, Murph. <laughs> we've been with to a but seriously though, when you see the way their midfielders handle the ball and transition to offense to get the ball to Jennings and and the other guys upfield. It, it, they have UCF really does have some of the best passing midfielders in the country. There's no question about that. So if you so if you're a young midfielder and you want to see how to play midfield, come to UCF game. I think that's what you want to see. So uh, speaking of soccer, women's soccer, um, they are uh, they're starting to heat up a little bit too here, Eric. They're at three one and two, um, and uh, coming off of two straight. Uh, games at home where they just unleashed on their opponents last Thursday against Arizona State UCF wins four to one um, against the Pac-12 team now Arizona State's not expected to be very good in the Pac-12 but they are five and they were five and two coming in and UCF got uh, goals from four different players Jessica Taylor Zandi Suri uh, Kristen Scott and uh, and Ellie um, Marino uh, to take the uh, victory, and in, in a game where UCF put 12 shots on Arizona in the second half um, and scored all three of their goals after halftime, or excuse me, three of their four goals after halftime to get the victory, then they faced Stetson at home, and uh, Stetson's struggling, but UCF easily took care of them, peppering them with 23 shots, final score there was 5 nothing. Scott scored another one, as did Talia Gabara and Mallory Olsen. But the story was Zandi Sori again, with a, a pair of PKs. Uh, in fact, you see, I've got three goals off of PKs. Scott's goal was off of a PK, uh, but Zandi Sori was uh, got herself some conference honors this week, and she re- earned one of our stars, Eric, for uh, three goals in two games to get her team uh, uh, up to uh, up to three one and two.
2: She was tremendous there it was yes right it was our nights uh, star a uh, three star of the week uh, also won uh, other uh, national awards because our award is national uh, <laughs> as well. That's not let's not kid here. Uh, but yeah, no she had a tremendous and the balance scoring was really too. This offense has been clicking on all cylinders. Uh, that's the big sight to see and their defense has been really good. They've obviously played a great three match streak here going back to the Florida win. Mm-hmm. To score outscored their opponents. What is it, eleven to one in the last three matches? Now we'll see if that travels to the West Coast against Long Beach and uh, and certainly at, a, at Long Beach State and then UC Irvine. It'll be interesting how they handle the West Coast and how they kind of you know fit with that role you know deal on the road there and keep that momentum they've built here in the last couple of weeks.
0: Yeah, and, and this is this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough uh, a tough stretch for uh UCF playing those two teams um out west because you know I I did I wanted to do a little bit of research on that one um as they got ready for it but uh um you know we we like to see our teams especially in soccer and volleyball kind of head out west because we know how good the competition is Long Beach State is actually receiving votes in the top 25 um, so that'll be a very good matchup, and then they got to make the, tri- the make the trip out to Irvine to play them, too. So UCF themselves are receiving some votes in the coaches' poll. We'll see how that works out um, heading forward. So let's uh, – uh, so UCF oh, way, sorry, t- the, the yeah, national
2: award I was uh, referencing to was the uh, top drawer soccer team. She made the all-top drawer soccer team of the week, which is pretty That's good right. honor.
0: Yeah. So congrats to uh, Zandy, and, uh, and we'll see what UCF receiving does those. when they go out west. That's yeah, right.
2: They'll probably, receive, us, yeah. they'll
0: probably receive a few more votes if they can, if they can come out of there undefeated against Long Beach and Irvine, so we'll see how I'm that, on that Kirk works Herb. out. Come on,
2: give women's <laughs> soccer some love, too, while you're at it.
0: You know? uh, and give some volley, give volleyball some love as well. So uh, UCF, travel, UCF volleyball traveled to Illinois State, normal Illinois, outside Chicago for the Redbird Classic. This is a big weekend for UCF volleyball because they played two top 25-ranked teams. Number 7, Marquette, and number fourteen, Illinois. Not to mention the hosts, Illinois State, who, by the way, are picked uh, at the favorite in the um, in the Missouri Valley. Um, and uh, UCF wins one out of the three matches. But let me tell you something: the, these two losses were were, uh, were pretty heartbreaking. So the first one on Friday, UCF plays number seven Marquette. They push Marquette to twenty-seven and twenty-nine uh, in the first two sets. That's what that's what Marquette had to do to beat them. Uh, it, it, so they were up 2 nothing. Then the Knights come back, force a fifth. And in the fifth set, they had a 14-10 lead. UCF did. And then dropped six consecutive points to the Golden Eagles and lost the match in five. It was, I, I, I've never seen in volleyball uh, a more heartbreaking way to lose, especially against a team that's top 10 in the country. So um, you and I were talking after that, Eric, and you're like, man, I don't know how they're going to recover after this. Well, guess what? The following morning... Um, you know, just, just, you know, less than, less than 24 hours later, actually about 18 hours later, they face number 14, Illinois, big 10 team, another top 15 team and UCF beats them in four and beat them like a drum too, uh, in, in that match, uh, in, uh, it, for UCF McKenna Melville had 21 kills, Anne-Marie Watson added 12 and Christina Fisher at nine and, uh, and UCF just, you know, held that held a top 15 team to 185 hitting, including 026 in the in the first set. So um, UCF was able to take very good care of Illinois on that one. Um, now the schedule shifted uh, because then they had to come back and play Illinois State later that day. The hosts in the nightcap, and, er, er, in, uh, and again it goes to five. Uh, Illinois State, like we said, very a uh, very good team coming into this year, six and one favored to uh favored to win the mvc and again ucf goes to five with them and then illinois state takes it in the fifth uh 15 10 uh illinois state had to win the fourth set 26 24 just to force the fifth set um on their floor um and uh, the two teams were basically about as even matched as you could as you could be the hitting percentages were 199 for ucf to 196 for uh, illinois state but uh uh, again, Melville was seventeen. Fisher with twelve Amory Watson with eleven, but it just wasn't enough against Kaylee Martin um, who had twenty one kills for uh, Illinois State and uh, UCF gets out of there with I mean, as difficult a one and two record in that weekend as you could possibly ask for. Um, and uh, I mean that was that that was tough to watch. I'm not gonna lie. that was um that was a th- that was a tough weekend. and yet they're still receiving votes in the AVCA coaches poll because. Um, you know, like I said, they took they they should have beaten Marquette. They beat Illinois, and they took Illinois State to five on their home floor. So, um, so that takes us to the last home tournament of the week before we start conference play, where UCLA plays in the Sunshine Classic against FGCU Friday, Miami, and FAU Saturday. Uh, In another one, and the Miami match uh, actually is probably going to be the best one in terms of their RPI. But that's 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 three matches that are going to help UCF's RPI elo. And and although, man, I'm sure they're going to look back at that Marquette match and be like, I can't
2: believe. It's a what-if weekend, right? It's a what-if weekend. You're one swing away from two and one. I think the question leaving there he is not able to close out the Marquette match. He did have a two-set to one lead in that Illinois State match. Probably ran out a little bit out of gas. Is that a trend or just kind of a aberration thing? Do you learn from that, that it'll move forward and make them better for it, or the, could that be a disturbing trend that we foreshadow that they didn't close a couple of those matches? That remains to be seen. I tend to think they'll be fine. They're not going to play. Outside of Cincinnati, in my opinion, the rest of the way, I don't think they're going to play teams as good as those teams they played uh, this past weekend. So I think yeah. that's the beauty of playing those games and those matches. It should get you better, and I think they learn from it. And at least they salvaged that Illinois match. I'll tell you, that 11 a.m. time slot's been very good at UCF Volleyball. They've beaten USC in that time slot in Florida a couple times. Now they beat Illinois. Uh, so that's helped them, and you know, now it's like learning from that. And then we'll see how they, uh, they come out here at home. Uh, this weekend against a yeah. Florida Gulf Coast team that knocked them out in the tournament right. in the opening round. So, I mean, that will be fascinating. Uh, we know that Florida Gulf Coast has a good program. I know you're pumping Miami up, but Florida Gulf Coast showed everybody uh, that's, that's, that's going to be a tough match Friday night.
0: Yeah, I, I tell you, one of the things, that, and it's a credit to the coaching staff and the veteran players on the team, too, that they were able to turn it around after losing that Marquette match and that following morning beat a very good Illinois team. That was th- that shows me something because it's one thing when it's one thing when you win all the time, it's another thing when you get knocked down. Do you get back up? And I think to do that against Illinois, and then Illinois State was t- going to be a tough match anyway, no matter what. But they took care of business against Illinois. At least you salv like you said, salvage that one, and move on from there. Um, what else? Uh, we got some uh, tennis news, Eric. Um, the women's tennis rankings. Came out for the 2019-2020 season. Uh, four UC, excuse me, three UCF Knights are ranked in singles play. Valeria Zaleva is 29th in the country. Ksenia Kuznetsova is 62nd. Rebecca Stolmar is 98th, and two doubles teams uh, are uh, ranked as well in the preseason. So, uh, Zaleva and Kuznetsova together are number seven in the country. And uh, Stomar and Marie Maddell, uh are uh, number 31 in the country, so uh, that's some good news for UCF women's tennis as they as they try to continue their quest to maybe get back to a, a, a perhaps win a national championship this year after what they did last year. So um, they're certainly another national contender. And we have some college baseball news, Murph, uh, or rather some. We Rather go. we'll start with some uh, actually MLB news that you broke earlier today about Fad Ward, is that right?
1: I did Okay, so one, I didn't break
0: this. <laughs> you bro- well, you no broke it. You <laughs> broke it you broke it to me, so I didn't know about it until you yeah, tweeted right. it. Yeah, right. I made you aware of this.
1: <laughs> I was lucky enough to follow Greg Lovelady who tweeted about this and then I saw it and took it for myself. Oh, wait, wait. wait. No. So
0: Greg Lovelady broke the news.
1: <laughs> right? No, the 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 Boston Herald broke the news. The Red Sox broke the news, Jeffrey. Um, so Thad Ward, uh some people might remember, was um, you know, a pitcher at UCF for about three years. Really, his last year in 2018 was really sort of a dominant swingman as either a long reliever or starter. Uh, near, you know, down the stretch of that season, he was arguably their best pitcher. Uh, really, really good worked himself into a top-10-round draft pick um, selected by the Red Sox. So every year, as most teams do, uh, the team picks their players of the year in their minor league systems across all levels. And the Red Sox today said, or or at least it was reported today, the Red Sox have chosen Thad Ward as their minor league pitcher of the year. He basically spent this year between, uh, I think, uh, low A and high A, Um, and across about 126 innings, he had an ERA of 2.14, and he struck out 157 guys in 126 innings. This is a guy who I did not know if he could really be a starter. Certainly, you know, have a long pro career as a starter because he really wasn't that consistently here at UCF. But the Red Sox have turned him into a starter, and he is a dynamite pitcher right now. Their system is not very good, but – he is, according to Baseball America, at the midseason point, he was their number eight overall prospect, and I don't think they saw that coming from Thad Ward when they drafted him. I believe it was in the sixth round, maybe I think it was. Hmm. Um, but he's been he's been outstanding and got lauded for today.
0: Right, and then
2: and they need arms there. They need the Red Sox, Murph, for those that don't. They're they,
1: perfect. They need team. anything. Any
2: <laughs> well, their big league team needs arms. That's what I'm saying though. Like he's. There's a – he has a shot eventually to get up there because they don't have a lot of quality arms. They, they just signed Chris Sale to an expensive extension with his arm kind of being very questionable at best right now. David Price might not be there long. I mean, their bullpen has been a mess. Like, mm-hmm. he could be a part of the Red Sox future here.
1: Possibly. I mean, certainly he's worked himself into this situation where he could be – and, again, he was, he was drafted in the fifth round in 2018 um, – and I don't again I don't think they saw this kind of results coming from, him, from coming from him this quickly. And for a kid who, you know, you know when he was growing up in in South in, in the Florida area, he was actually a bad boy for the Red Sox during spring wow. training year. Oh. So hmm. He was hanging out with like Manny and Ortiz and Jason Baratek and those kind of guys and now he's pitching for the Red Sox and uh and certainly doing quite well.
0: That's good. Yeah, so
2: Good story. That's a good story. Now, now, Murph, we are 147 days, 147 days from for opening day college baseball. twenty twenty oh,
1: huh? getting sweaty. Woo! No, <laughs> yo, no, yo, yo, Not even that. Don't we have? Like, aren't we like a month and a half away from fall ball? No, we're less than oh, like a month oh, fall oh,
2: ball.
0: I knew it. I knew it. Get yeah. some um, of that. Well, here's how. Ha- fl- in college action at UCF. Here's how so urgent. Good. Well, here's how urgent UConn is to get to get through get to baseball season and out of the conference. Um, they released their baseball schedule already. Yep. That's um, right. And now, your uh, mark, can't wait. mark your calendars, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, UCF and UConn will play their uh, final uh, games against each other in stores at Elliott Ballpark. On the ninth, tenth, and eleventh of April. Whoopity do! Uh, the now, American. Is
2: is weather may is that, not be good there. That's not good weather up there in Connecticut in April.
0: Yeah, yeah, it could be. Is that the
1: new park or is the new park not open that's yet? That's the
0: new park. That that's the new park because they were playing yeah, at that's... Dunkin' Donuts Park in uh, in Hartford. But uh, but yeah, that's that's the new park that they're opening up um, this year. And then, uh, by the way, the American uh, Baseball Championship in Clearwater. Uh, will be Tuesday, May 19th through Sunday, May 24th. So mark your calendars for that as well. So, uh,
2: yeah. By the way, it, 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 so April, I mean, that could be weather. We could have the same for the last time. We could have that weather issue with UConn once again, like we did a couple of years ago, where it could be a little chilly uh, in Connecticut. Uh, a couple of notes there would have to follow. By the way, is, you know this is a pretty important fall, actually, in college baseball. There's a lot of discussion in October about they're going to revote possibly to try to get that third full-time assistant in baseball and softball, for that matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been exchanging messages, Kendall Rogers. I'm trying to get on my softball podcast to talk about that, but. Uh, There's some chatter around college baseball about pushing the season back a couple of weeks, maybe starting the season in March uh, instead of mid-February and possibly pushing the World Series more towards the late June, maybe July time frame. We don't know if that's going to happen or not down the road. Uh, I know that from what I understand, television is definitely for that. Uh, ESPN would not be opposed to that. They would love to have the College World Series even pushed more in that dead time kind of time of year in sports. But yeah. those are some of the topics, Murph, that is being talked about this offseason in college baseball and, and remains to be seen what's going to come from that.
1: Well, certainly, like you said, the TV channels would love more live sports in July, which is one of the mm-hmm. deadest months on the calendar. uh I, Certainly. I, and then. Oh, go, go ahead, ahead, Murph. Ahead. I'm
0: sorry. No, go, okay. go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: And then moving the season back, I believe like I told you Eric on Twitter, your 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 desire for that change probably depends on where you live in the country. Um, whereas if, if you're Yukon, <laughs> you definitely want that thing pushed back to March 1st. And if you're here in Orlando, you really don't care cuz it's kind of the same weather every day between yeah. like between like January and April. So um, yeah but I, look I've got no problem with that if they want to move back that's fine that doesn't really hurt anybody here and it really does help people up in the north um and, and again I think moving back the World Series moving back the whole season as a result would work out well for the financial and visibility and TV and TV uh, uh, capability
0: I have one concern that I was trying that that I, I want to get out of there is usually we see these uh, these conference contracts um, and sort of July 1st is basically the the reset is when we hit the reset button on the collegiate athletic year so if we're mm-hmm. still playing college sports past July 1st i wonder how that's going to affect certain things don't you think in terms of like wasn't
2: track and field going on in July Sometimes.
0: Uh, I don't remember. UCLA championships
2: I, and beyond that. I mean, it's pretty close to that time frame. Because usually, usually uh, the
0: usually the College World Series is the last thing to finish out, right? Over track? Yeah, Maybe.
2: it's close. Maybe. Uh, Let me find out. I have a feeling they'll figure it out. If television. What about, won, uh, you
1: know, what about women's? What about like I remember? uh, Didn't didn't the women's tennis finish up after after baseball or no?
0: No, tennis tennis ended before that. Okay.
2: I have to look at all that, but that's... um, Uh,
1: If last year is any guide, UCF schedule will not be announced for baseball for another month.
2: (laughs) By the way, a little nugget on the UConn schedule, very interesting. You know who they play UConn that week before they host UCF?
0: mm -hmm. I saw it, but I forgot.
2: Bryant. Bryant. Who's the head coach at Bryant, Burr?
0: Oh, yeah.
2: Huh? What? Wow. Bofty, Col- uh, Ryan Klosterman. Yeah, Ryan Klosterman. That's right.
1: Yeah, wow. Huh. Huh? All
2: right. Think, what do you think? A little, a little text messaging going on? Maybe hopefully, hey, what are you, you
1: know, phone call? Yeah, scouting. I, I, well, we will definitely talk about that with Greg Le- Lovelady when the time yeah. comes. I mean,
2: uh, which is going to be, it sounds like it's going to be a month from what you're telling me. Right? we got a lot to, got to talk about. Here yes.
1: Oh, come on. It's. I mean, it, 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 and then, again, I looked it up. Fall ball will probably starts in late October. Like we're like six weeks away from that. We're ready to go, man. Yeah.
2: go between I, that. I saw- we got baseball. We got you know we between all the new faces, all the topics in the sport going on this off season, and SmackDown going on Fox. I mean, there's a lot to talk <laughs> catch up.
1: Lots of time with a great love, lady, and for those who really enjoy UCF baseball and are aware of the program, I, I walked past uh pitcher, Nolan Lipkowski, uh, a couple like a week ago. And he still is rocking the 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 chest length beard. It's full. It's it's wow. it's very very prestigious beard that he's been holding on to, uh, and he's still rocking it. So you can't miss him. I knew it was him. Is it is it
0: Brian Wilson quality? I mean,
1: Brian Wilson had more. It, well, Brian Wilson I think, took more care of his beard. It's not as wild. Hit no one's beard kind of expands outward. Whereas Brian Wilson's beard really went down, uh, this is more of a this is more of a down and out. It's really a out and then down beard. It's really thick. It's a very full beard. But anyway, you can't miss him. Anyway, I'm very excited for this.
2: There you go. Nice meet- Aren't you happy, Murph, that I fed you a little baseball here? I mean, you know, just a little appetizer. You know.
1: I mean, we're running out of Major League regular season games, so I- I'll take anything I can get. By the way, guys, Drew Butera. So he's only, ah. pe- he's only played in four games since being called up in September. But in those four games, he's four for 11 with an OPS of 840. So, hey,
0: you know, he's doing okay. He's cranking it up, cranking it up. So, And that's a good note for us to uh, end on, I believe. Yes, it is. Right on the money. So uh, make sure you follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Follow us individually at Jeff underscore Sharon, Eric Lopez, Elo, Brian is at spokes underscore Murphy. Uh, and uh, real quick before we go, uh, Brian, what are you working on this week? I love the checklist articles, by the way, man. That, do you like that? Love that.
1: All right. Well, we're going to do that again. And uh, I'll pick four things that I'm watching most in this game and then uh, try to review that probably on Monday when I get back home. I'm So I'm leaving for Pittsburgh tomorrow, a Thursday. And I actually don't return till Monday morning. I will be able to. I will be able to make it to the press conference, but because I won't, I won't return till Monday morning. I probably won't get to rewatch the game until after I get back from the press conference. So I'll have that up Monday night, and then of course I'll be at the game Saturday uh, afternoon, and then have a dispatch from that uh, probably Sunday morning as well.
0: That's right. You will be there, uh, Eric. Uh, what do you have going on uh, this week?
2: Oh, you mentioned the TV article that I have up right now on the com, as well as the three nights stars of the week. That's all going to be up there on the com right now. You can check all that out. Obviously, I'll be watching the game on Saturday with Pittsburgh. I'll be texting Murph during the game and asking him, do they actually, like, how many Heinz catch ups do they actually have Oh, stage? yeah. What's, what's the spread like? <laughs> Oh yeah. I mean, Heinz ketchup has to be there, right? Like is it like kind of like oh, all these you're getting that you're have- going to get
0: all 57 varieties. Let me tell you. Uh,
2: that's what I, I want to know. I'm
1: staying at a hotel that's right next to Permanti Brothers, so I will be Oh in my god. As
0: well. Dude. Oh, you're oh, you're all set. Man. Yeah. Now, oh my gosh. So, uh all right, so we got that or we got the game on uh, Saturday at 3:30. We will have our live blog going up there. By the way, Luke Saris has got a mailbag column coming. Um, Jeremy Brenell, you has guys a are doing table. a
2: postgame show now. We've got a post-game we got postgame show yeah. going on.
0: We um, now I'll get to that in a second, but but I wanted to give a shout out to Derek Warden because um, he has been killing it with the photo galleries this this year, and this one from the Stanford game I think was his best. I mean, it was cinematic. It was that great. <laughs> so check out Derek's photos on blackandgoldbanneret.com. and. We tried it last week, and we got such a good response. As Eric was saying, we're going to do it again. So uh, we have this new um, on our YouTube channel. Just search for Black and Gold Banneret on YouTube. Uh, And we will also put it out on social media. We're doing a a right-after-the-game video um, post-game show. Uh, We're calling it Night Shift because... You know, usually we're just doing it at night. But uh, last week it was myself and Jeremy Brenner, and uh, we were answering some questions. We were breaking down the game, um, and uh, and we got such a good response. I want to thank everyone who, who logged on to that um, because I didn't know how it was going to go, but it ended up going very well. And um, and what we're gonna we're gonna do it again. Um, we're going to try and have more than just me and Jeremy. Eric, are you going to be
2: available for it? I don't know. There might be, uh might be some good football games I'd rather watch. But maybe I'll maybe I'll call in for a
0: really uh, oh, wow, <laughs> unbelievable. Um so
2: we got a big staff here. Big yeah.
0: Look, well, I, I, we're going to try. I'm going to try. I want to try and get everyone on at least once. Now, Murph, I know you're going to be busy getting post game, so it's going to be yeah. a, a little bit dicey. I don't think you can probably pull yourself out of there. So, so Murph gets a pass, but. Um, especially with road games, we could probably have. I like. I want to get Luke in there. Um, obviously, Jeremy and I were, you know, captaining things. But it's it's really good. We uh, and and uh, uh, we want to appreciate everybody for the support on that. So after the game, stick around on our Twitter account. Stick around on Facebook. Uh, we'll send out the link as soon as we decide to. Um, as soon as we get Pretty everything sure, cleaned Luke, up and go if live. If Luke's
2: on and Jeremy, they will analyze and compare UCF beating Pittsburgh score to like Pittsburgh, Penn State, and you know, just come to a lot of you know conclusions that really don't need to be concluded but it will be wow concluded. are
0: you are you throwing shade at fellow staff members Eric Lopez I am
2: well, sure no it's just everybody that's I know it's coming <laughs> like, we're, gonna, we're gonna do the whole scoreboard comparison which is one of my it just it gets it just drives me pulls my hair a little bit when I see everybody will that team be that team by that much more than the other team be that much because you know it's just it's it's the same thing no it's not
1: it's, it's the transitive property of sports
0: woof <laughs> Oh man. Yeah, all
2: thank right. you. My
1: goodness. Um,
2: um, uh well, I mean,
1: you know, Jeff, you know, Jeff, Eric has already told you that he does not want to be on your video uh YouTube uh thing. So, I think Eric's just here to burn us all down. Burn it man, down.
0: Eric is long. Eric is looking down his nose There's at a lot the, the hard working people there. around here. There's you know.
2: NXT now on Wednesday nights from Full sale, Okay, I mean there's there's just a lot of stuff I got. You know, catch
1: Jeffrey, us. are
0: you are you gonna get his
1: tickets to NXT? Yeah,
0: I I want to yeah, I, I I certainly want to try. I certainly want to try. I, I I I'm 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 intrigued. I want to see I want to see what it looks like. So so it should be. Um, we'll pretty come, how about
2: this? We'll come on the po- we'll come on the post game show if you guy if you get us some free NXT tickets. That there
0: deal. you go.
2: Deal. All right.
0: <laughs> um. <laughs> That, yeah it's i will i will try i will try my best to make that happen um and also by the way our orlando one and t t-shirts from breaking tea are available right now so you, if you hop on our website it's up there on the it, it's right up there at the top if you really like our t-shirts by the way thanks to the folks at breaking tea for helping us out with that um Make sure you check one out and you can order one for yourself um, as well. So that'll do it for us for tonight. Make sure you follow us at blackandgoldbanneret.com, UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret, and subscribe to this podcast and tell your friends. Leave us a rating to let us know how, you, how we're doing. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, SB Nation's home for UCF Sports and Brian and Eric, I'm Jeff. Thank you so much for listening Enjoy the pit game. We'll catch you next week, and we will catch you right after the game for Night Shift on our YouTube channel. We'll see you then.